Cofield and Company. If you don't answer emails, you suck. Like, you're not even employable in my mind. I think the bottom line is we're all doing very well. Yes, very healthy. Very healthy. This is insane. Guys here every day. We've been doing a show together for like a better part of 15 years. We're like, eh, you got to be careful around them. <laughs> Don't want to irk them. Right, Ari? It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hours here. Adam Hill, Cofield. Ari's in our Finley Toyota Studios. Much to get to. We're going to cut out a little bit early tonight for NBA basketball at 5.30. We'll have a big five right before that. Bucks, Hawks, Bucks right now uh, with what looks like a commanding lead and their six-and-a-half-point favorite. And Trey Young may not be 100%. we got a lot of hockey to get to uh, reacting to last night's game one of the Stanley Cup final. We'll talk to Jonathan Davis, who does work for SiriusXM. That's coming up in about... 15 minutes, a little hoopage later in the hour as well as we'll have a special guest in to break things down in the NBA playoffs. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Adam, how many times have I said, and I'm not trying to be mean spirited, I'm a backer of hockey when it comes to what's going on on TV and We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. The NHL playoffs and NBC have been a disaster from a rating standpoint because NBC doesn't care. So last night was on NBC Sportsnet. Game two is on NBC Sportsnet. And then numbers should improve on big NBC. Uh, We were saying yesterday that the soccer, the Euro soccer, has done really well compared to the NHL, like almost neck and neck with it. Do we have the numbers out from yesterday and game one? So, yeah, the, we, we do see the numbers, at least the overnights, and, you know, we'll get them updated a little bit later in the week. But for the overnights that are in right now, um, we talked about the France-Switzerland game yeah. uh, on ESPN for the Euro, for the uh, in Euro 2020. Uh, absolutely would do better than hockey. Uh, and that is the case. Oh, uh, no. Fr- France-Switzerland, 1.87. 1.87. 1.87? Yeah. It's like double the numbers they were doing last. 1.87 million? For it was a big game. game. Yeah, it was a big game. Oh, France, oh. Switzerland is massive. Oh, no. uh, however, Croatia, Spain, only 1.1. Only 1.1. Most yeah. of last week, the games were between around 750,000 viewers to 950,000. Uh, VGK series was kind of sputtering along at like 950 to 1.1 million. And, you know, we were saying, again, we were saying yesterday, like, what? Wait a second here. Montreal and Tampa buried on NBC Sportsnet. Uh-oh, the soccer. Because softball actually doubled. A couple of weeks ago, softball doubled a VGK game. Yeah. College softball. Not great. Uh, well, College World Series yesterday, only 385,000. Okay, there you go. Uh, Wimbledon, 620,000. Not great, although that's early in the day. Um, Canadians Lightning actually did better than I think a lot of people might have expected. Okay. Uh, 1.57 million? Not bad. It's not, not great. Bad. It's yeah. not great Con- considering that uh, most people have, I think a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people have tuned out of the NBA. What's the Suns Clippers number? So Canadians Lightning on NBC Sports Network, 1.56. Clippers Suns on ESPN was? Uh, 5.74. Oof. Yeah. So nearly quadrupling it. And even even worse, something called Bob Hart's Abishola, 3.21 million. 
Well, I, I don't compare sports to. No, I don't even no. know what that is. Um, it's the I don't know. I can't even explain it. It, it was uh, who's the, this, isn't it the same guy who was doing the show with Melissa McCarthy? Oh, the big fella. Yeah, big fella. Well, do we count American Ninja Warrior sports? Um, it did pretty well. Yeah, I guess we can count it. It's on the list. Three point two four eight million. It doubled up hockey. So this is not to mock on hockey. Here's the thing, and I'll say it repeatedly. For all you dorks the last five years who bought into this, like, oh, ESPN is dying. Hmm, is it? Because I think yeah. you're going to – especially hockey fans, ESPN still a thing? Yeah, it is. Watch what it's going to do for your sport. And ESPN sent out a, a cool hype video today about three and a half minutes going back to the history of when ESPN was all in on the NHL um, and then showed – a lot of the faces that they're going to have on their hockey team. And we're talking about, first of all, it's very cool because we're talking about men, women, you know, there's a large Latino crew. Uh, you've got African-Americans as part of the crew. So, you know, in a further attempt to embrace a much bigger audience, that's good. Um, I'm fired up. I've been fired up. I think ESPN is going to do a great job. You're going to see a lot more hockey on SportsCenter. You know, you put aside your Stephen A. Smith jokes. Whenever they get to it, they'll get to it. Uh, Max Kellerman, you know, who got in a lot of hot water like a year ago for saying that hockey has like 50,000 fans in every single market and that's it. It's really not a, uh, you know, national sport here, uh, Canada. It is. Put that all aside. When Big ESPN jumps in, it's going to be good. And some of the names that are interesting, uh, obviously we had uh, Elko on the other day, Linda Cohn. Uh, it looks like Washusen, who – you know, doubles as a college football, college basketball announcer, also the voice of the Jets, Bob Wachusen. He's going to be doing hockey. I guess the lead voice, and I actually don't know a whole lot about Sean McDonough's background as a hockey guy. He's going to be the lead voice. Um, folks who are kind of working all over the place, like Ray Ferraro, he's going to be on board. Brian Boucher, who's been doing uh, an analysis for NBC. Kevin Weeks, who's been working the desks for NBC. He's on board. Uh, some of the regulars you've come accustomed to, some of the writers – uh, Puck Daddy's, you know, obviously part of it, Emily Kaplan. But, yeah, there's a lot of big names, and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of variety. So I think it's going to be tremendous. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's gonna be good, and they're going to get, I would think, more, you know, network games. And, and ESPN is the the real key, the key when they get games on ESPN. It'll be great, much better than or much more coverage than NBC Sportsnet. But we should also, you know, we joked about American Ninja Warrior a second ago. Like, the reason that that's interesting is because that is why – basically the game is on NBC Sportsnet because American Ninja Warrior was on big NBC and uh, it does big numbers and hockey doesn't necessarily, but with more exposure, I think comes better numbers and more people watching and then you'll get better, you know, you get better placement once you get the better numbers. So I think it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And the numbers are going to go up. So for everyone out there again, who's like uh, ESPN is still a thing. They've killed themselves. You're going to be really grateful when they're doing hockey. Uh, we have a developing story going down in Portland. I don't know if you got a an eye on this one. You know, we talked about the it's it's a thorny deal right now with Chauncey Billups, nineteen ninety seven uh, sexual assault allegation uh, with fellow Celtics. It went the case wound up getting settled, right? Well, it starts to blow up the other day when it's announced that Billups has outpaced Becky Hammond. And there are some people in Portland who are like, wait, we don't, do we have answers on what the hell happened back in 1997? So they have a press conference today 
Adam, what do you do at the press conference if you're the Blazers with Chauncey Billups? I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, because I'm sure what they're, doing, they're trying to do is control narrative and not have people ask questions that are going to ask that question. But, 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 but why? But why? Why? Like, within reason, let's everyone in the crew prep make sure Chauncey's ready to talk about it and that he's comfortable talking about it. And let's mostly finish the issue in the press conference. People are going to ask questions. It's an important deal, especially now in this era of, you know, women empowerment. We've seen, you know, stuff going back with hashtag me too. You can't have questions like this lingering. Get it over with. What if there's not a good answer? Well, that's the tricky part of this, right? That's a tricky part of this. So he addressed it for a second and then in pops a writer who wants to follow up on it. And this is the way it's handled. Uh, you said the 1997 incident shaped you in unbelievable ways. Can you maybe elaborate on that and, and how it helped shape you? Jason, we appreciate your question. We've addressed this. Um, it's been asked and answered. So um, happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Ooh. And even more distressing on that. It's a female who's shooing away the question. Yeah. Yikes. Well, and this is also where reporters should, uh, you know, I don't know if stick together is the right word, but um, the next reporter should say, no, they, you know, there's a question that wasn't answered. Keep going. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. Just keep following up on it. Yeah. But all too often, people are, you know, nervous or scared or worried about their credentials and their access and that sort of thing. So um, you don't get that. But. Um, yeah, you, the next person should throw it back to this, the previous, Hey, uh, actually you never answered his question. So I'm going to send it back to him. Like I said, we're going to be following this because they kept the story alive today by not just trying to put most of it to bed. Coming up next, Jonathan Davis covers the NHL, uh, does work on Sirius XM was doing the post game last night on channel 91. And we'll get into what he saw in the uh, Canadians uh, drubbing at the hands of the lightning. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. I would still prefer to win game one. Yes. Kenny, I don't know about you. Here comes Sergeyev. For Nikita Kucherov. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Resounding message then. NHL and NBC with the call there, Kenny Albert. Feel like we're back where we were after game one of the Canadians Vegas Golden Knights series. And I, I got that vibe last night a little bit when I was listening to the uh, post game on Sirius XM. And Jonathan Davis was part of that post game show. You can find him on Twitter. At West Coast Hockey, Jonathan's up with Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. You know, we're trying to find the good storylines in this game last night because, like I said, a familiar feeling. You know, we came out of that first Vegas Golden Knights-Canadians game. We're like, oh, my God, the Canadians, can they compete? Where are you after game one of the Stanley Cup final? Well, I think, you know, the, the Canadians got Montreal by by Tampa last night. I mean, it, it uh, you know, they really got a taste of their own medicine, and – you know, there's look. We we all I think many of us have discounted the Canadians a long time ago. Um, 
but they've got some big adjustments to make, at least, you know, especially being on the road. And John Cooper did a phenomenal job of, of winning the matchup game. You know, he, he had the Denoe line. Uh, he put Yanni Gord, uh, who was a, such a pest, against the Denoe line. He had the point line against the Suzuki line. And, you know, these are things that, that Tampa has at their disposal that, you know, unfortunately the Golden Knights just didn't have. And so it's, you know, I'm not here to, to count the Canadians out because I've been made foolish, look foolish for three rounds right now. But it, it's definitely, you know, they're, they're playing bigger boy hockey right now. What can the Canadians do? I mean, you know, we looked at the matchup last night, and I think you get a sense of, okay, here's where they are. But what can they do to, to change things? Well, I mean, they, they've got to try to find a way to to get their, you know, to get the Suzuki line away from the point line and, and find a way to, you know, to, to try to, to win the matchups. It, it's going to be tough with the games in Tampa. Um, you know, they, they've got to try to figure out a way to go back to what they, they that made them so successful and, you know, they would have their defense, you know, collapse in front of Carey Price and, and take away shooting lanes. And I, I, it's just a real tall order against this Tampa team that is just far deeper than, than anybody that they've faced. Uh, you know, and there's not one area where you would say Montreal, even in goal, has an advantage over, over Tampa. Uh, so, you know, you, you've got to just try to outwork your opponent. I mean, when you look at the hit numbers last night, especially – you know, through two periods last night, we had 85 hits in the game. You know, Montreal's trying to do to Tampa what you know they've been doing. What they try, you know, they did to Vegas and and try to wear them down. The other thing that I think you know the other problem I think that Montreal faces, guys, is you know they really lean heavily on the big four, um, and so they're really playing pretty much 4D five on five. And I, I just think the minutes that they're gonna those guys are gonna have to play in this series. I, I just I just don't know if you can afford to play Eric Gustafson, you know, six minutes at five on five and, and John Merrill, the former golden Knight, you know, what about that same number? Um, you know, I, I, I would like to see them to bring in Romanoff who, you know, uh, golden Knights fans will remember, you know, the hit that he had on, on, on Peter Angelo. And so I, I think that that would help them. But, you know, the other thing is they should get Joel, Joel Armia back for, for game two. And that, that was a big loss for them. Because what he does, both killing penalties um, and, you know, the, the line that, you know, it was Stahl and, and Perry was, has been effective in all three series. So they're, they're, they're really going to need everybody to play their best game. And, that, and, and I don't even know if that's going to be good enough, but they're going to need everybody to play their best game because Tampa just, they know they're better than everybody else. And they're not, they're just, I just, you know, Montreal just has to try to play their best and hope their best is good enough. So I guess kind of looking back at, at the Golden Knights series, was this a case of the Canadians being at their best at the right time, or was this just a really bad matchup for Vegas? Well, I, I, I don't know. If, you know, I, I think that, look, obviously the, the Chandler-Stevenson loss hurt, and, and it, really, it, it really seemed that, you know, the issues that, that Vegas has had for a number of years, you know, down the middle seemed to come to, to their fruition. Um, look, None of us expected to see Mark Stone, you know, play like he did in, in this series, and and I don't know if that was just a matter of the fact that that you know they couldn't, you know, when you had to play Alex Tuck or Thomas Nosek for a couple of games in the middle with the Stone line, that you know they just couldn't get him the puck the same way. Um, it, it's a bit of an enigma. I really wish that we would have heard after the series that Mark Stone 
you know, was playing with an injury like, like Alec Martinez was. I would have, it, it, it's, it's too bad because, you know, as we all know, the happiest guy on earth, he's the one guy, you know, that I would love to play poker with, I think, because his tells would be so obvious. You know when he's really happy and you know when he's sour like he was throughout the Montreal series. Um, well, how, going out of that series with the Golden Knights, we, we've seen what they've been able to do in the regular season. The postseason, they've had success, but not the, not getting over the ultimate goal. Like, Is this a team that should look at it like they're close, or do they need to make some pretty significant changes to get over the hump? Well, I, I think, look, they're a team that's built itself. You know, they're, they're strong at the blue line, and they're strong on the wings, but they're not strong down the middle. So there's no question that, you know, Look, Chandler Stevenson had a really good year, but as good as a year he had, it's still not, you know, true number one center type season. So, you know, that that's the biggest void to fill. Now, how you fill that, um, you know, th- that's a tough one. Uh, because if it's a guy, if you're deciding that you're going to target Jack Eichel, then you're definitely going to take away someone off that roster that you don't want to take away. Um and probably someone from, I would think, from the blue line. So, uh, I mean, down the middle to me is where they need to make the, the biggest changes. How they do that, well, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, uh, you know, definitely have their work cut out for them. But, hey, look, you know, yes, the, you know, the, the goal is to win a cup. Um, but to make it to the Final Four in three of the four seasons, and you know, even the, the one year they didn't make it, and we all know what that series, how that series ended up against San Jose, it's still pretty remarkable, but yeah, look, at the end of the day, yeah, they're, they're just, they're, they're not good enough to be, you know, one of the final two. Uh, so you, and that's your ultimate goal. And Bill Foley has made it quite clear that that's his ultimate goal. Uh, he wanted to do it within five years. So this is year five. So they're not shy about making deals. So I, I would expect them to do something to improve their, improve themselves at the center position. Jonathan Davis with us on Cofield and Company at uh, West Coast Hockey on Twitter is part of the family on SiriusXM on the NHL channel. Let, let's stay on the Eichel point because uh, in the midst of that, you said, hey, if they're going to do that, then maybe they have to take someone off the blue line. Blue line. If you had to move someone, who who are you looking at? Who is the candidate to move? Well, I mean, I I think that if you know when you if you're going to try to get someone like Jack Eichel, you know, maybe it costs you Shea Theodore. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, you have to start there and, 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 you know, maybe you're looking at, at, you know, can you get, uh, can you, you know, maybe it's Cody Glass and, and Shea Theodore and, 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 and a draft pick. I, I don't, you know, if, if that's enough, you know, for Jack Eichel. But I think that if you're going to move a guy off the blue line who, who is established, and I think that, you know, that's, I think Buffalo is going to want some, someone that is established. It, it may cost you a player like Shea Theodore. There's just not a lot of options that, that you know, Kelly McCrimmon really has in, in moving pieces. Um, you know, because uh, I don't think that, you know, if you were to move, whether it's Marcheseau or Riley Smith, uh, I, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, the big chip that you can put in to try to get yourself Jack Eichel. Now, if you're targeting a guy like Sam Reinhart, well, then, it, 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 you know, the price may be a little less. Well, it's definitely going to be a little less. Let's talk about the goalie situation because we talk about it all the time here in Las Vegas. You would think for more salary flexibility that uh, Flurry would be the guy who goes bye-bye. It's going to be a very emotional decision, uh, not one that was rubber-stamped a year ago by owner 
Bill Foley, if uh, they are going to move him, is there a market? What kind of market? You know, especially if if he you know he gets he, he gets rewarded tonight with a big award. Uh, what kind of market is out there for a guy who's thirty six going on thirty seven? Well, I mean, look, you know, well, Bill, it's not Bill Foley's preference to move uh, Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, you know, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada, uh, you know, has reported the fact that there was a deal in. So they were trying to engineer a deal that would have involved, you know, one of the California teams that would help them move Marc-Andre Fleury back to Pittsburgh. So um, I believe that if you if they tried it last summer, as Elliot has reported, I don't see why they don't try it again this summer. And I, I would think, there, you know, likely that there would have to be some sort of salary retention in, in, in a deal for Marc-Andre Fleury, um, unless they can find a third, pers- third team that, you know, is willing to eat, you know, wants to take on that salary or has the ability to take on that salary uh, in some fashion. But there's, look, Marc-Andre Fleury, what, what a year he had. And I, I, there is definitely a market, but it just comes down to, you know, how, how can, you know, another team bring him on? Uh, because I just don't think at $7 million, you know, a team that would need him could afford to. I mean, look, let's, let's say, for instance, the Edmonton Oilers, could really use Marc-Andre Fleury. I would think, again, the Pittsburgh Penguins would, would revisit bringing Marc-Andre Fleury back for one year. Um, but they've got to find themselves another team to help off- offset some of that salary. Jonathan, are you back on uh, SiriusXM for Game 2 post? Game, yeah, every uh, Game 2, Game 3, Game 4, and if there's a Game 5, yeah, all the way through uh, following the games, uh, we'll, uh, Dave McCarthy and I will will recap uh, a wonderful night in the Stanley Cup. That's yeah, a real good show. Like I said, I was listening yesterday and uh, really solid stuff. Hey, we appreciate a couple minutes today on short notice. Thank you. Hey, anytime, guys. Feel free to reach out. Always there for you. There he is. Jonathan Davis Thanks, is buddy. doing work for SiriusXM, uh, NHL channel. That's Channel 91. You can go to at West Coast Hockey, and then he's got a ton of podcasts that he does as well. All right, giveaway time. 364-1100, Caller 11 and 12, we've got tickets to a Cruel World Fest. The first show sold out. They added a second show. You can sign up for first access to tickets at cruelworldfest.com. The pre-sale begins on June 30th, noon Pacific. Uh, it is a Rolls Bowl show, so it's part of a, a road trip. and get out to California and watch a show with Blondie and Devo and Violent Femmes and Psychedelic Furs and Missing Persons and English Beat. Callers 11 and 12, 364, 1100. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio. Goodness gracious, by the way. Sorry to interrupt. That's a waterfall on that hat. Wow. You talked about the, the weather when you came back from break, Jose. 90 degrees at game time. Yeah, we can't say dry heat there. I think there's something going on. He's getting sick. So Bundy battling an illness, apparently. Yeah, dead men walking. Ugh, that was gross. Adam Hill loved every moment of it. That was Dylan Bundy on the uh, Angels TV call, as, uh, as Adam described it yesterday. Vomit at the level of Team America. He just could not stop. Um... Maybe allegations that he was actually just yakking up sticky stuff. Maybe that spider attack, he got it. He swallowed it because the uh, vomit was endless. And it's correct. As the play-by-play guy was saying there, he noticed right before the vomit, just the projectile vomit started coming, that uh, the sweat 
in the hat of Dylan Bundy was it was Patrick Ewing esque. It was just it just pouring off the bill of his hat. It was a bad I, sign. I mean, my favorite part was that he he's on the mound vomiting. He's standing behind the mound, and it's it's going full Team America, as you said. And then the trainer comes out, and he's like, "Ugh, I really got to do this." And he's he like, "Kind of did a pump fake. He kind of hesitated." Yeah, because then Dylan Bundy started yakking again. He's like, "Oh, come on, man!" It was—I mean, it was one of my favorite baseball moments of the season, which doesn't speak a whole lot for baseball, but it was tremendous. But there was maybe my even my favorite part beyond even all the all the vomiting was that Kevin Durant was sitting in the front row. That's right, and he seemed very amused by it all. That's just part of the game. He's like, I, I just picture him being like, man, these baseball players are wild. <laughs> What's going on out here? You know, like a basketball player in practice has just hurled excessively. I mean, it's possible, but it's it's funny to do it like on like during the game, like in the middle of the field, and everybody's watching you. Like an outfielder could do it, and nobody would ever even know, right? Like they're just kind of out, out doing their own thing. But the pitcher, the camera's always on. By the way, did you see the uh, latest in the checking the pitcher saga? Uh, which one now? Well, last night, the Reds smashed the Phillies. It was uh, 12-4, and the bullpen just exploded. Reds on the right side, uh, Phillies on the wrong side of 12-4. Neftali Feliz, old name. I figured he's like 40. He's 33. Uh, he's thrown in the majors. Uh, he got bombed for three runs and two-thirds. Uh, De La Santos comes in. He gives up six runs and two thirds, and they're like, "All right, you know what? We got to pull the uh, we got to pull the position player thing here. So we're going to roll a position player out there. So they've got a young middle infielder named Nick Mayton. Um, Mayton closes out the inning, and then here's what happens: the ninth inning, they're going to check Mayton and make sure he didn't do anything to the baseball. Listen, got to check everybody. We go to the ninth. It's twelve four Cincinnati. Yeah, you can tell Tom McCarthy's like, eh, this is bullcrap. We're we're now checking the position player coming in for desperation mop duty, mop up duty. I'm I'm so happy. You you listen. You've got to apply the rules fairly. So whoever's pitching, let's go. I don't want well, you to sneak some shortstop in there and have him scuff up the ball and throw some sticky stuff on it. Fair with a twelve four lead, you got to worry about that. Yes. Everybody, you, you know, you know. I know why you love this because you would do this. You're of mocking course. on the you're mocking on the game and the stupid rules. Yeah, I would send a shortstop in there with 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 the sticky stuff on the glove, scuff it up, and be like, "Oh, what are you going to do? Check him?" Okay, well, you did it. Good for you. But yeah, I would absolutely do this. Nice. By the way, Santiago got who got caught with uh, the Mariners. That that whole thing's upheld. As it should. He's cheating. Well, you're really I'm into for, it. I'm for checking everyone, and I'm for doing it multiple times a game. As we mentioned, like, when people are flipping out about, oh, you've already checked this guy. You're going to check him again? Yeah. When are we going to make a rule that you can only check somebody once, and then once they get checked, they can do whatever they want to the ball? No. It, it's like How much is it really impacting you watching the game? It's really not. And they're doing it oftentimes when they're walking off the mound and they're going to commercial break anyway. It shouldn't affect you. And just uh, listen, if, if they think something's going on, and by the way, the Giants and Dodgers last night and the Giants broadcasters just openly saying, hey, look, Trevor Bauer has not been the same. 
he he you know they made him stop putting stuff on the ball and, and he's not been the same pitcher. Like it was it was not like hey, I wonder if something's going on there. They just openly said it. He's not allowed to use this stuff anymore. Right. And this is why his spin rate is down and why he's not uh not throwing effectively. And they they were pointing out the change in his pitching pattern because he's not throwing the same pitches anymore. Oh really? Because, oh yeah. And so I mean they were just openly saying like Hey, this is what's going on with him. If you're wondering why Trevor Bauer is not the same pitcher the Giants saw earlier this season, uh, he's no longer allowed to use the spider tack, and they they check him for it now. And now uh, he can't throw these same pitches with the same effectiveness. So he's changed up how he throws. Like, yeah, they were just openly saying it. They weren't even speculating. They were saying this is factual of how he's how how he's going now. I'm cool with that. You? Uh, well, I I think you have to couch it a little bit it'd be like you know this is the speculation of why he's not doing this anymore they were they were just saying this is why which i think is a little bit um unsafe uh if you're opening yourself up a little bit i think but uh yeah i think it's 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 not that hard to look at the difference in numbers and difference in pitch um you know selection and effectiveness of each pitch uh before and after the rules in place well it's interesting i wonder if they'll he hasn't slipped yet but I wonder if the Giants announcers will have any analysis of Kevin Gaussman and his 8-1 and one start with a 1-4-9 ERA when he's bouncing around the major leagues. A stuff guy who seemed to put it together the last year and a half. Hmm. Well, let's see how he pitches the rest of the year. Right? Yeah. You think the, you think the Orioles would like 2021 Gaussman? Well, it would just go to waste anyway. What does it matter? That's a good point. But he is two years removed from uh, making 17 starts with a 5.72 ERA. So he, he seems to have changed. Again, there has been no drop-off. Uh, by the way, just a quick mention, we talked about Marc-Andre Fleury and the Vesna. Uh, they're doing a half-hour show tonight at 4.30 our time. So hopefully before, I mean, it's half an hour, so they should have all the announcements. But they're going to announce the winner of the Vesna. So we'll uh, keep you in the loop on that. It's Marc-Andre Fleury against Philip Grubauer and Andre Vasilevsky. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I said that he is not a superstar, meaning that he doesn't climb to the level of Steph Curry, LeBron, KD, those type of guys. He's a tier below that. Kawhi, those guys. He comes up short sometimes. It's fair to be critical of him for those moments as long as you're fair and you celebrate him in his big moments. Dominic Foxworth on ESPN. That should end it. Can we stop doing the Paul George debate? Is he great or not? Apparently, no. They did it this morning again. That courtesy of ESPN. Uh, last night's performance was good. Paul George has had multiple good performances in these playoffs. Supposedly, he's a two, not a number one guy, and yet the Clippers are still alive. Funny how that works. Cole Huff played the game. He was at uh, Nevada. I'll be polite. We normally call it Reno and also Creighton and now he's working with the franchise LV, also the Athletic, and he gives Steve and Adam a little time here on ESPN Las Vegas. What's up, Cole? What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? Appreciate you me on. We're good. We're good. I want you to chime in on the Paul George. Uh, I'm not going to say hate, but the constant debate whether he's a great player or not. Uh, it's borderline hate, in my opinion. Uh, I think he gets a lot of unnecessary slack. Um, some of it is, is on him just. You know, giving himself the nickname Playoff P and some of the things that he said in the media in the past, kind of deflecting blame and whatnot. Uh, so you could kind of see uh, some people's angles towards him. But in terms of him as a basketball player, I, 
I don't, I don't understand it. He's been really good, uh, going all the way back to his second and third year in Indiana. He's been consistently pretty good since then. Um, he ran into a LeBron James Miami Heat team, you know, a LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers team. Um, he's had a few blemishes along the way, but I mean, the guy will consistently give you, uh, 23, 24 points on average every year. Um, he's going to play great defense, although probably not in his prime anymore. One of the elite shooters in the NBA up there with Dan Lillard, up there with, with whoever you want to throw up there, Trey Young, Steph Curry. Um, that's in, a, in a, a different class, obviously. But in terms of makes and field goal percentage, he's, he's, he's right up there with the best, and he's 6'9". He has a handle. Um, I, I, I don't know where, where all the slander comes from. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit of Clippers bias in me because I like the Clippers. Uh, but I, I don't really understand where, where all of it comes from. Yeah, I, I've talked about this many times. We mentioned it early in the show. I actually think part of it is from him opening up last year inside the bubble and talking about mental health issues. And I, I just I think because we all have to be tough guys in the world of sports that some people just can't get away from that and they just want to label Paul George as kind of a phony. Yeah, that, I mean, that could be it. But if you're when someone is only because they have mental uh, mental issues in the bubble of all places, then I don't know. That might that might say more about yourself than the player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so are the Clippers going to do it? Do you think they complete the comeback here? And then obviously we concentrate on offense. Uh, really, much of what they need to get done is be consistent on defense, and I think they've done a pretty good job defensively. Yeah, honestly, I, I wish I had the answer for that. This team has. I don't know. They're just so surprising. On paper, they really shouldn't be in this series anymore. Down, arguably one—I mean, one of the best players in the NBA. Arguably top three with Kawhi, um, two centers being out with Zubac and Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, Marcus Morris being banged up. Um, they, they really shouldn't be in the series still. Uh, but just following them throughout the season, uh, this is kind of who they've been. You know, Kawhi had injuries. Paul George had injuries. Uh, they've had players in and out of the lineup. They've had. Uh, guys like Luke Kennard not play for four or five games in a row and step in and score 20 and help them win. So I kind of think this is just their DNA. It's kind of, you know, right up their alley, uh, their backs against the wall, which is uh, completely opposite of where they've been in the past, where they've kind of been the favorites and, you know, they've had some big leads and they've had the mental fortitude to kind of, you know, put games away or put series away. So it's, I, I'm, I'm honestly not surprised whichever way this goes, if the Clippers are able to come back and finish it off, I wouldn't be surprised. And if they you know, run out of gas, I, I would expect that as well. Voice of Cole Huff, uh, former player at uh, Reno and Creighton, and he's now working with The Athletic and the franchise LV. Uh, you were a wing. You know, your guy who was 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, Do we, uh, in general, have a newfound respect for or a next-level respect for what um, Marcus Morris has done in the series, kind of beat up? I mean, he... He's had to step up, and in most cases, you know, when I think he's been closer to 100%, he's stepped up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we already knew uh, just Marcus Morris and Dennis and Philly and how, how tough he and his brother are. Uh, that's well known. Um, but, yeah, just especially with the injuries to Ibaka and Zubak, they, they've had to play a lot more small ball. Um, I know Boogie Cousins kind of gets in uh, wherever he can and plays his 10 to 12 minutes or whatever. But, yeah, for the most part, even going back to that Dallas series, Marcus Morris was the starting five. Uh, he's guarding guys like Boban uh, in the Utah series, guarding guys like Rudy Gobert. Now he's battling against DeAndre Ayton, and there's, there's no wonder why he's so banged up. Like that's a that's a tough ask for someone that's six eight uh, to just lean his body on someone and 
uh, someone seven foot, seven foot one each and every game. Uh, for the majority of the game, we still have to go in on the other, the other end and make shots. And it's been even more impressive with Kawhi out, just kind of the offensive responsibility he's had to take uh, while manning down low with those big guys. We talked earlier about you know just how good Tyron Lue has been in elimination games and when his team has a chance to eliminate the other team. Now, you know I, I know that he's had some star players, so he doesn't get a whole lot of credit. Uh, but do we need to give him more credit? And, and what has he done in the series to uh, kind of help them stay alive? I think so. Uh, I think for the most part throughout these playoffs, he's starting to get um, more credit than he had gotten in the past, uh, just because you know he had been coaching LeBron James and whatnot, but. Yeah, he's, just, he's really good at making adjustments. Uh, some people are, uh, in the Clippers Twitterverse um, and, and people in the Clippers Twitter world, they talk about Ty Lue being tinkering tie, And he kind of uses a game or two, uh, as we've seen throughout this playoff run in each series, uh, where he's kind of just throwing different lineups out there, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. Um, almost treating it like a game of chess, where he's just trying to figure out his opponent. Um, unfortunately, he's gotten them down 0-2 uh, all three times, which... Clearly isn't by design, but you know he uses that data that that he's received and he, he makes adjustments accordingly. And you know, in games three, four, and the rest of the game of the series, he's been he's been pushing all the right buttons. And I mean, I don't think that's just him. I'm sure you know Dan Craig, Kenny Atkinson, Larry Drew, everybody else on his staff um, plays a big part of that as well. But yeah, it's, it's been a night and day comparison from from this era of the Clippers to previous era. So we got Bucks and Hawks up. We don't have a healthy Trey Young. We don't know exactly how uh, hurt he is. He's questionable for the the game tonight with that uh, right foot injury. What do you think we see if Trey Young's you know out there and he, he tries and he's at like sixty percent? Who else can step up for the Hawks? Oh man, well, I mean, if that's what they traded away Rondo uh, for to get Lou Williams, I don't know if Lou is quite as capable of. Uh, you know, doing this on a nightly basis as he used to when he was younger and then his prime. But we've seen even this playoff series, like him against uh, one of the games in Philadelphia, he's capable of putting together stretches and uh, scoring the ball at a high efficiency, getting to the foul line, putting people in foul trouble. Uh, he's still pretty good out of the picking role. Uh, so I think if anyone were to try to fill in uh, Trey Young's shoes, if Trey Young weren't 100% or weren't able to go, it could be Lou Williams, um, but I don't know exactly that's sustainable at this point in his career for the for the rest of the series. Yeah, obviously some of the shooters have to stop up between Bogey and Werder and, and Gallinari, and that, that could change things. Uh, a couple of off-season situations I wanted to hit here with uh, Kohlhoff is with us, a former college basketball player, uh, played in the G League, played pro basketball. He's doing work with the franchise LV and, like I said, the athletic. Uh, give me your take on what's going to happen here with Damian Lillard and Portland as there's a little showdown right now with the front office uh, with the hire of Billups. Is does this all calm down and they actually go out and get Dame more help, or is he bye-bye? No, yeah, I think it'll calm down eventually, uh, just given it some time. I don't think that they're in a position to just let Dame go because he's a little bit unhappy. I know that they... You know, show loyalty to him. He showed show loyalty to him throughout his career. I don't think that's, you know, when you have an elite talent like that, arguably top 10 or whatever player in the NBA, uh, who said on many occasions that he, you know, he wants to stick with it and if the championship comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But he wants to play for one team his whole career. 
I don't think we just, uh, you know, react spontaneously in, in the moment and uh, panic over the situation at hand currently. Uh, kind of, you know, the, the NBA season is still going. We haven't released the offseason yet. Kind of let things uh, play it out how they will. Um, if things aren't better and if it's going to be a problem uh, months from now, maybe you entertain it. But, but I think you just stay patient now and try to do everything that you can um, in preparation for the offseason to get him some more help. Cole, that was real good. We appreciate it. Uh, let's get you on again if you're willing, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little draft because we want to get ready for the NBA draft. But thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. There he is, at Cole Hoops up on Twitter, at the Franchise LV is where you can see a lot of his work. Uh, he's covering a lot of WNBA. Next time he's on, um, we'll talk some WNBA as the Aces are out to a hell of a start and right behind the storm to begin the season. And it kind of, right now it kind of looks like a – a two-team league. All right, we turn our attention to football. We'll get to the football frenzy in about 18 minutes. We're going to check in with Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. And by the way, college football convo out there. There is a 1 to 130 list of the uh, best to worst coaches in the league, and we'll tell you where Marcus Arroyo sits. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.